Hello and welcome to the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. We are Rochelle and Carter and we appreciate you giving it these 10 seconds now that you've given it. <laughs> and now it's up to 14. You're still here. You're still here. Wow. And, and Carter's just rambling now. We're so. going to check out. Now we're That's at 20. Faith. We're at 20. And and we'll see how far we I'll do a, a second check in every so often. Faith. And, oh, please yeah. don't interrupt oh. me if you do that. Okay. <laughs> oh, my. I don't know if anybody else feels this way, but you, just trying to get a word in edgewise at what the do you dinner mean? table that doesn't. What are you talking about? Get interrupted. What? Oh. You have two boys, so yeah. I do, and things happen. And we've got dogs in the house, and so like we'll get knocks on the door from best friends that are in the neighborhood that are trying to see if my son can play, or the other one, oh, I've got this, i got to check in with so-and-so, whatever it is. Can I get a moment's peace? <sighs> boys, come on. I just want to say one sentence. This is why people start to develop like memory loss. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. Because you constantly can't say it. <laughs> Uh, no, we appreciate you uh, being here weekly, maybe. And yeah. if you uh, are, are so kind to leave a five-star review on, on Apple or anywhere, we, we appreciate that. And if you're not so kind, then just move, move along. along. Move along. <laughs> you you know what? There's a lot of great other podcasts that uh, you could go enjoy. And, and yes, they probably know more than us. So. I'm going to do something that I don't usually do. Okay. I'm going to talk sports. <sighs> I Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. God, I know I prayed for that miracle. No, this is not that. Thank you. No. Oh, uh, what? No. This is... This is me loving sports stories, but not still understanding the games. If you're new to the it's podcast, fine. you Rochelle doesn't like sports. I yeah, mean, well, it's not that I don't like them because I see that it brings such joy to other people. But you just don't watch them. You have no interest. I don't really, yeah, yeah. I don't get into it. But I love like, remember the Titans. I love watching movies. Okay, sure. Rudy sure, yeah. about it. So I heard this story from my husband the other day and it was about a, I think it was Celtics fan. This guy has tickets. And he's got this social media platform, just two tickets to the game. And he comes upon this guy who's a custodian of some sort and he's cleaning up and they start talking the big game. Oh yeah, that'd be mm -hmm. amazing. It's yeah. so cool. Come to find out this gentleman who's working, he's he's never been able to go to this a game in his life. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so this complete stranger with the social media platform asks the worker, well, you want to go? And he's like, uh, are you, you serious? Yeah. I got a ticket. I've got an extra ticket. Might as well go. Man, you don't know me. What are you, what are you talking about? Yeah. If you meet me here in front of the arena at 6 p.m. tonight, we will go and see a Celtics game. Wow. And so he's there in front of the arena waiting 6 o'clock. Sure enough, this guy... It look, he's an older gentleman, looked like a kid jumping up and down, meets him there in front of the arena. I can't believe, man, you don't even know me. I can't believe you're giving me a ticket to this game. He said, you're a fan. I'm a fan. We love the Celtics. Let's go. And so they take pictures and there they are. They're just, you're riding up the escalator, getting to the stands where they're going to go sit down and watch this game together. Just two guys talking basketball. They don't even know what else they have in common. It doesn't matter. They may not have anything else in common. Yeah. They have this. They have this. And from that, I don't know what their relationship in the future turns out if they become friends or whatever. But if you think about that, if you find what you have in common with somebody, mm -hmm. then you have more of a chance to build on that foundation and stick with them through thick and thin, even if you disagree about other stuff. That's the thing. If you're at a, a sports stadium and you're wearing the home team's you know, jersey or colors or whatever, nothing else matters. Mm -mm. It doesn't matter how you vote. It doesn't matter your background. 
you're a part of this family. Yeah. And that's what I have to remember that the ultimate bonding experience is the family of faith. Yeah. It is that as believers in Jesus, we have this that unify us. Yes. And we often misquote Jesus because we stop too short. Uh, we love that where he says, they'll they'll know you, as in the outside world, they'll know you by your love. Mm-hmm. And we all stop and go, isn't that nice? It is nice because there is a song. Oh yeah, they that's right. Know we are Christians by our love. By our I love, love that's right. And it stopped too short, didn't it? It didn't say the rest. Because Jesus said, they'll know you by your love for one another. Mm-hmm. As in an unbelieving world, we'll see as we as Christians treat each other and they'll want to be a part of this family. Yeah. And often I find myself rolling my eyes at Christians or letting the secondary issues get in the way. Okay, yeah, they're a Christian, but oh, they voted this way and they posted about it <laughs> or their bad habits or their whatever. Yeah. And it's like that is, you know, our differences when we're unified in Christ are not the the thing that we should focus on. It's yeah. the other way around. You got to keep going back to the Celtics game. Yeah. You got to keep yeah. bringing it back to you. If you're not a fan of the Celtics, maybe I just yeah. turned you off completely. I hate the Celtics. No, so, no but I'm just yeah. saying you got to bring it back to the Jesus. You got to bring it back to the main thing, keeping the main thing, the main thing, right? Yeah. Every single time when we get ticked off. And am I able to even do that and extend the courtesy to somebody of a different faith where it may not have anything to do with Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. but I'm able to find a commonality with that other person and say, you believe in something outside of yourself. I get that. Now, I don't believe yeah. as you do. I believe in Jesus Christ and I, I I believe he laid down his life so that I could live through what he did on the cross. I believe I have new life in him. I'm gonna live with him in eternity because of what he did. And I believe that I'm a sinner and saved by his grace alone. Mm-hmm. Let that be clear. However, I note in my life, in seeing you in practicing your faith, that you believe something outside of yourself. And I commend you on on believing in something you can't necessarily tangibly grab hold of or see. And that's something right there. You have extended an opportunity of, of maybe a conversation as opposed to an attack on somebody of a different faith and maybe the opportunity to share Jesus in a bolder way. Well, I think uh, we talked about before, can uh, churches of, uh, you know, interfaith stuff, can we partner together on anything? Well, we're not going to teach a salvation class together. Um, and while that is the most important thing, it, does, it doesn't have to prevent us from doing a backpack drive for the community together. Right. You know, things like that, that we can all agree on. Like okay. your church did that. I we, remember we, did we a, talked about we that. We did a kickball tournament together and it was a, it was a mosque and a synagogue and us. <laughs> And it sounds like the start of a joke. Oh, it was fantastic, you know. But it wasn't because it was a real experience. The pastor at your church says, let's do this. Yeah, And yeah. hosted the event. He, I was he, so proud of him. He made the joke at the end. He said, uh, uh, or I guess it was the beginning. It was a hot day. And he said, uh, now welcome to, and you know, we, we know we believe different things here, uh, but uh, it is a hot day. So if anybody wants to jump in the baptismal, uh, <laughs> we won't stop you. You know, everybody laughed at that. It was uh, funny. Yeah, an accidental? Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Okay, uh, we know that's not how it works, but it's really funny. Oh my word. That reminds me of a, a, an episode in an episode, a, a scene in Nacho Libre where he finds out that his wrestling match partner has not been baptized because he only believes in science, is what he says. Okay. So he brings over this bowl of water and dunks his head and says, Felicidades. <laughs> it was uh, yeah, that that's not how you get baptized. I, I wanna see I wanna see <laughs> Nacho Libre and the corn kid go head to head. You know, cone? Cone. Get that cone out of my face. 
I just, that would be a great. Oh my word. Yeah. We, I know sometimes we see squirrels, we get off track. But well, uh, hold on. By the way, what? we're at the uh, seven minute, 59 second mark. You've made it this far. I told you I did not want you to interrupt me. I didn't. I waited until a good, a good. You said, hold on. Well, I, I was starting to talk first. I was. Are you done? Well, I'll check yeah, in later. <laughs> all right. So I want to talk about how we are all different. And how do we get along in different settings? You know, before there were denominations, Christians met in people's homes Mm -hmm. and they started figuring out, I'm really comfortable praising the Lord this way. And I'm really comfortable praising the Lord this way, you know? And so that's what leads to different denominations. And uh, obviously there's not just the more comfortable with worship, but hmm, what do I believe doctrine-wise differently mm-hmm. from others? And so that's where we kind of have split off. But again, if we all come back to the fan zone <laughs> of Jesus, mm-hmm. we can get our praise on. You hear that a lot at concerts with artists that get up there and say, where am I Baptist at? <laughs> oh, you're in the back. <laughs> where are my Lutherans? Where am I, you know, and they yeah. just start shouting them all out. But there is this chapter in 1 Corinthians 14 that I've been going over Ironically enough, it's after my absolute favorite chapter in the Bible, which talks about love. <laughs> you hear it at every wedding. So, That's yes. First right. Corinthians 13, it, what is love? You'll find out in that chapter. It's so significant, but it is perfectly placed right in front of this chapter, it, trying to encourage one another in tolerance. So uh, Paul has to address a lot of things. And it's one of those things where if you have, a, have children, you think you're at a point with your kids when they get older, that you don't have to go over every jot and tittle, right? I don't have to explain all of this. I don't have to write this all down, right? You you get it, right? I think I remember a story and and I'm going to have the details wrong, right. but we read a news story and then you're like, I think I have never told my kids that before. And then you were like in the other room going, you know not to put foil in the microwave, right? <laughs> Like it, it was, you know, it was like, yeah. but, but have I actually got over that? No, no. Yeah. In fact, that's ironic that you, I said ironic twice now. That's ironic. No, yeah. the foil in the microwave is actually something that happened with my family. Okay. Yeah. I failed to tell them that. Well, we found out the hard way. Oh, you found out the hard way. Okay. Woo! Anyway, but yeah, there are those things that you realize, oh, I don't know that I've gone over with that. Or should I even have to go over that? Isn't this common sense? Mm-hmm. But the the times, you know, he's speaking to the church in Corinth, which again, this is happening at somebody's home. Somebody who's a wealthier person more than likely because it's going to be the larger home that we can gather in. Sometimes people, I think, might've even felt a little bit entitled given that their title in life may have been higher up on the food chain than others. Mm. Perhaps that's a thing. So you're throwing all of that into the mixed bag, which he has addressed in earlier chapters. And now we're talking about the confusion that takes place in a church service. Now, if you have gone to a church service in your life, then the typical ones that I've attended and everyone's different, there's usually an opening. Like somebody gets up in front of everybody in the service and says, hey, thank you, welcome, appreciate you being here. Might be some announcements. Are you talking about the beginning? At the beginning of the church. Oh no, the churches I've gone to, the fog machine starts. And then that guitar riff right after the countdown is done. And they've got a whole light show (laughs) to go along with them. No. So like it's different at every church, but there's usually an order to everything. And that is hugely because of Paul. Mm. Mm -hmm. It's hugely because of Paul. And I, I appreciate that. And sometimes you might be like, oh, it's so organized. We're not letting the spirit move enough. But here's what's happening in the church. There are people talking over one another 
because they're excited about the different giftings that God has given to each of them. And some of them, when you read about it, you're like, what does that even mean? They have the gift of what is called tongues, mm-hmm. speaking in this unknown language. A lot of the times we reference it back to the second chapter of Acts where the apostles are up in the upper room is what it's called. And it's the day of Pentecost. And there's this happening where it looks like there's a flame of fire that comes down. It's what they they describe it as on each of the people in that upper room and they're given the gift of the Holy Spirit and they all start speaking multiple languages. What's interesting is that that time frame, that's when people were in Jerusalem, which is where they were at, to celebrate that festival. So they're able to communicate with all the people from all over. Exactly. And yeah. they heard their own te- their own language. And they're like, how are these guys, some of them Galilean, we can tell by their accents, how are they able to speak my native tongue? Mm-hmm. This is unbelievable. They must be drunk. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. what they were thinking. Mm-hmm. But the difference between the tongues shared there is that that was interpreted by the people who were there in the city. In the tongues that is described in 1 Corinthians 14, this is one that does not necessarily have anybody there that can translate it. It's causing some confusion. So if a person has this gift, which I believe is not necessarily an actual language per se, but more of a spirit language. This is where like, um, you know, when you're talking with your, this is, I'm going to liken it to this. And I hope this doesn't offend anybody. I think, I think you'll understand what I'm saying. When you talk with your children or where you talk with your spouse and you're talking lovey-dovey language, do you know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. Cause I've heard you talk to your family on the phone. Is I, what are you doing? You take a shower and all this stuff like that. <laughs> I want to just say, <laughs> I have never done that, and I do feel better than you. (laughs) But some people talk that language. Now, listen, how do we feel when we're around people who use that language in front of us? It might be like- A little awkward. What are you doing? Can I I say one thing? Sure. Guys are very notorious for this. (laughs) In terms of clearly when wife calls, hey, babe, what's going on? And But then when you're in front of a group of guys, you kind of like- Get your phone, go out to the side. Hey, babe, what's going, what's going on? Yeah. Just yeah, so your yeah. guys won't go, oh, oh Jody loves Chachi. Lovey dovey woo. So, all of that to say, there is a love language that we can have and that some have expressed that, yes, I have this gift where I just, I have no boundaries with the words that you have to find and pluck out of a of a dictionary, I just go for it with the Lord. I just start talking to him in this love language, this spirit language, the gift of tongues. But if there's nobody there to interpret it, that can pick up on it and say, ooh, you know what? I feel like when you were talking, God has given me something to share. If there's nobody to do that, then that's just going to cause confusion, much like, you know, what I caused for Carter that one time when he heard me talking to my my a a shawi a shawi well, with okay. children that's what we called it when they were really little and to this day i swear to you they're going to probably bring over their future wives and i'll be like well i got to go take a shawi real quick and then i mean but so the point, <laughs> and i do not mean to at all trivialize this special time my parents i grew up in a church where i would hear somebody stand up in the middle of the sermon and as a child it was kind of disturbing you would hear them just shout out in this tongue that I did not understand that I am pretty sure there was nowhere on this planet, Mm -hmm. but it was their love language for the spirit. And they just start talking in this tongue. 
And then there's somebody else in our church service that would stand up and sometimes they would share a biblical passage that they felt like this is an expression of what they were just hearing. And so that's called interpretation. And a lot of this stuff, if you've ever seen it happen and you are new to that congregation, you're like, what? This is alien. This is weird. What is happening? This is what's being described in 1 Corinthians 14. But apparently people were doing it like all at the same time. Mm. Like, let's say if you've ever been a part of a church service where not only is there a worship band, but then they maybe have a special song. Somebody gets up there and they've got a guitar. They're going to sing a solo for you so you can enjoy it. They're all doing it all at once. Mm. Mm-hmm. And Paul's like, you can't do that. And then he goes on to say, listen, tongues are great. I speak in tongues more than anybody. I love that. But I, I got to tell you, I don't do that in front of people because it causes confusion. I, I really want to encourage you. If you are seeking a gift in Jesus, be asking for the gift of prophecy. Now, when we think of prophecy, usually you think about the future, right? Mm -hmm. What's happening in the future. And that could be that, but it could also mean um, this covers a lot of bases. It could be a scripture. It could be an encouragement. It could be something else that like, if you uh, are a person that just senses in another that they're down and they need encouragement, that that might be a, a prophetic word you can share with them. Hey, you're loved today. God loves you so much. I think he wanted me to remind you of that, mm-hmm. you know? So he encouraged that this is the kind of stuff that we really need to be all about because when we start bringing other people in to our into our church assembly in this house, we're going to weird people out. They are not going to know what's going on. And God is an ordered God. There is no confusion. He is not a God of confusion. Has he allowed confusion in the past? Yes, you can read about that. The Tower of Babel. He's allowed confusion, but he is himself. There is order to our creation. There is a, a system and we are to be a reflection of that. So don't be talking over one another. Nobody benefits from that anyway. That just gives you... I would be like having a migraine after every time I went to church in Corinth. I'd be like, oh my word. Yeah. So I just found that hugely fascinating and to connect it back to these are good things. It's not that they're bad things. These are great things. But when you all clump it together, not necessarily. And there's a lot of places where people land with this chapter in terms of prophecy and in terms of speaking in tongues. Is that even a thing people do anymore? My parents, when I was a child, they grew up. And they spoke in a different tongue. And my dad shared with me, he said, I, I use this in my prayer life, Rochelle. It's a tool for me where I just, I freely speak what sounds like gibberish to others. I'm just trying to connect with God. And so for me, I saw my, my parents' authenticity. Their walk before the Lord has been and remained one of the most sincere uh, examples of faith I've ever witnessed. I'm so blessed by that. But I understand where other people from a different denomination might question that. I get it. So it's like, all right, do we make allowances and grace for one another if we don't do that thing? Yeah. I mean, I think you get to a, in anything, you know, it goes back to well, what unifies us. And if it's Christ, yeah, then everything else is secondary. And it comes down to, you know, whether it's what we talked about here 
or what church buildings should look like or how the music should sound or uh, even like the mode of baptism. Yeah. Is it, yeah. is it immersion or sprinkling or it's all know. these little things that we can, we can get picky about. And you can, we can just agree to disagree and that's yeah. okay because yeah. of the unification. Now, if anything's not biblical, you know, there, there, there are things. Um, well, I guess there are two, two categories of things maybe Okay, where it's, Okay, I can call something, uh, and I guess that's the point of the secondary issues of what we're saying. I can even say some of these things are not biblical, mm-hmm. but I, I'm not going to question your uh, relationship with Jesus over it. Yeah. But but then there are things that people do in the name of Jesus, and it's just wrong. Yeah, uh, no. Wrong. Uh, wrong teachings, wrong, and just because they're using that name sure. uh, doesn't mean that it's a, a secondary issue that I go, ah, it's no big deal. No, they're teaching wrong, you know, and I mean, we you name a lot of examples, honestly, but I just want to say that we don't have to harp on it. Um, but, it, you know, there's, there's that. But then as soon as it's like, okay, no, 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 wait, we are Christians. Um, we believe in Jesus. And I could see your interpretation here. I could see your interpretation here. I think this way, you think that way. Who cares? Let's go to lunch, you know? <laughs> and, you know, and for some, yeah. they'll, they'll be at lunch a lot earlier uh, because of the tradition of their service. <laughs> I think a lot of it does come down to, I mean, if you look at people and the way they learn, even simple learning, right brain versus left brain. Hey, are you an, a visual learner? Are you, you look at all the different things. Well, why would we deny that for our spiritual life as well. There are going to be different ways that we connect with God. Mm. I'm going to be more comfortable doing it more flamboyant or, or whatever. My husband is a more reserved person. Mm-hmm. And and so, but is he wrong? No. Am I wrong? No. Now, if I'm causing somebody else to stumble in an, or uh, I don't know how I would do that in worship. Maybe that was the wrong choice of, fra- that was the wrong phrase. But, but if I'm talking over people, Sure. Because yeah, a whim yeah. has just struck up over. Yeah. Then that's wrong. You know, that's what Paul's addressing. He's like, look, these are good things, but you're not utilizing them appropriately. Mm. Um, but I really liked what Torin Wells, we recently talked with him, and he kind of talked about the different aspects of worship. Now, so many churches have different things, like, you know, the charismatic church is more about singing and spiritual gifts, and the Baptist church is more focused on scripture and the word, and there are all these different things. I think we all need different things. That's why it's called the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. My foot doesn't look like my shoulder. It doesn't operate the same way, and it doesn't have the same function. But when I go to swing a golf club or make a layup, it's all involved. Oh, he's Hmm. talking sports again. Yeah, well, I like that. We had a gentleman call us uh, on our radio show and he shared something really special. He had this image in his mind. He said, Jesus has 12 disciples. Let's say John has a really good close-up and and, uh, can recall in memory (laughs) the left ear of Jesus. And then Mark is on the other side and really knows the right ear well. It doesn't mean that one knows the other more Mm. or less. Mm -hmm. But he also suggested, why don't we invite one another to see the other side, you know? Sure. And and not get all, oh, the left side's better or the right side's better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this is what we're talking about. Now, again, to, to what Carter is saying, there's obviously there are right things to teach doctrine-wise and wrong things that have been preached. So making sure that it's not wearing a mask of righteousness, sure. super important. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Uh, That's things, good. Yeah. Yeah. The- Honestly, mine, um, I want to get to partiality, 
will okay. will be thrown in here about how to treat people more important than others. So that'd be that'd be an interesting tie-in. But uh, maybe you're familiar with this song. So nice. I like that there's motions to it, and Carter was doing all of them. Our our, our pastor said, you know, my, my mom would have had a time with Jesus with just that, because in the South, you don't invite yourself over somebody's house. Okay, you don't do I've that. I've done it. Yeah, you've done it? <laughs> I invited myself over to your family's Thanksgiving. You did. You did like the ultimate, didn't but, but you? But you knew, you took pity, because I burn it. You Otherwise. burn everything. That's true. Now we were uh, talking about uh, Zacchaeus, and uh, if you don't know the story, it's in the cha- it's in the uh, book of Luke in chapter nineteen, and um, he was a wee little man. He his stature was small, so he couldn't uh, see Jesus over the crowd. So he did climb up in a tree, uh, and and just you know the average height at the time was uh, five foot or so for a man in that culture in that time. So he he would have been, you know, four foot six, four foot seven, four foot eight. I mean, he he would have been a little little, little short guy, wow. you know, even then, but obviously by today's standards. Yeah. And so, you know, just I'll read some of this. This is from Luke 19. He, he'd gotten the tree. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus. He called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. And he climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. And while Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. And so that's just a short little story, 10 verses, and there's really three things to focus on here. One is just real easy. Salvation, getting to heaven, is through faith alone. Mm -hmm. Salvation has come to this house today, said Jesus. Zacchaeus hasn't even done anything yet. He just said he's going to do stuff. And Jesus instantly sees his heart change. Boom, you're a part of the kingdom. Um, the other is the generosity factor that it really, that was the point of the sermon the other day with us was if I'm a changed person and Jesus has been so generous to me, yeah, let's live generously. And yes, that includes money, but also includes time and, and just being there. And, and the story that got shared, I never heard this. Sam Houston founded the city of Houston, Texas. He was an old stingy war general. <laughs> Well, then he came to Christ and he became one of the most generous people in the area. I mean, there's so many things in Houston, apparently, that that happened because of Sam Houston's wealth and him giving it. He was a big philanthropist after coming to Christ. And somebody asked him and they said, what made you go from being so stingy to being such a generous person? And he said something so profound. He said, when I was baptized... I didn't hold my wallet up out of the water. It went down with me. Mm, mm. And it was just this call of if, if I believe there's a God and I believe that Jesus is the son of God, also God, and is so generous and just letting me breathe this next breath 
in creating me in the first place, but also saving me when he didn't have to. Mm-hmm. I got to treat other people that way. Yeah. If, if I'm a changed person, I got to live that way. And it, you know, we at small group talked about this just the other night and, and it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, my wife and I are in this, so it's a few couples. It's like, what does that mean? I don't, I don't even know if that necessarily means do more. You know, these type of sermons make you go, well, I guess I'll, I'll get another compassion kid. And and by the way, we love compassion. So that'd be great. But I don't think it's this just do more out of, certainly out of uh, compulsion. You know, the Bible says not that. Don't do it out of feeling guilty. But just, I I guess what I told Kel- my wife, Kelsey, is it's this is the type of situation that I'd, I'd want to be, I want my heart to be willing to do. If we say, save up, let's say $5,000 for a vacation and and we're planning it and everything's good. It's like, okay, we got our money saved up. We can go on this vacation. And let's say it's like $5,100. And then a friend or saw anybody in need, it's like, man, I'm, I'm not going to survive. I, I, I don't, I think I'm going to lose the house. I need $5,100. Like that type of thing, you know, where it's the exact same amount of money and you yeah. know, this has to be from God. Again, we could get to all of the ways you could help. I'm not trying to say it has to be $5,100 and you have to do it. I'm not, I'm not trying to go there. Just that I want my heart to be willing mm-hmm. in those situations to give up what I could have yeah. for somebody's need. That's good. I just want to be willing to. I think it also might start with, you know, I see Zacchaeus as a Sunday school character that I have learned about all my life. Right. How can I how can I make him relevant to me today? Uh, what are your circumstances? Where are you? Have you seen somebody who has betrayed somebody else in some way? And that's the way Zacchaeus was looked at by his people because he had betrayed him. They're the people. Yeah. You're getting money from us for the Romans. A government that owns us, that overtook us, that they're the enemy. We know that you're taking advantage on top of that. Yeah. You've betrayed us. You're an enemy. So does that ring a bell with you? And then like putting the face of whoever may have betrayed you. You know, you think about the person. um, I mean, if you've been in the military, can you imagine somebody turning in your your troop over to the enemy? I mean, it's almost like that. Uh Right, right. Yeah. You know what you would want to do to that individual for betraying you. Mm Mm-hmm. You put it in those types of places. Look at the people in scripture that Jesus is wanting us to look at in our own lives and relate it to somebody in your own life. And then all of a sudden, it's not just a character that happened 2000 years ago, even though Zacchaeus was a very real human being, just a super short one. Um, but it's it's not necessarily touching any of those heartstrings, but when you make it real to your world, right? Sure. now all of a sudden, I want to engage my wallet that much more because now this story isn't just a story anymore. It's, it's a reality. And Jesus is asking me to tap into grace. Well, and that, and that's the, actually my third point is beautifully brought up because partiality is, is, is my third point from this story and how that looks, I think on the every day with Zacchaeus, you know, Jesus is saying, yes, even that, you know, person who betrayed the troops or Benedict Arnold or, right. you know, whatever. Yeah. Th- th- you're as messed up as them, even if uh, your sin doesn't look as obvious as theirs. Mm. And so what I'm saying is they're savable mm. and you better realize that 
with how you treat them. Yeah. Because you need saving too. So how it looks, I think, on the everyday, I think an office example is a perfect one to use. Just an everyday, you know, you have your co your batch of coworkers, some of them you like, some of them you're okay with, some of them. In some situations, there's one or two that everybody in the office cannot stand. Yeah. And maybe it's because it's, maybe it's the boss, right? Maybe it's the boss that is just a jerk. And everybody talks bad about the boss. And I've been, actually I've been in this situation. I've had a micromanaging boss. Everybody mm -hmm. cannot stand how he manages. And I think how it looks in this situation is for, you know, everybody tries to avoid this employee or this boss Everybody goes to lunch and doesn't tell this employee or this boss. We hang out after work and we don't, maybe you don't always hang out with your boss, but you don't tell the other employee because you, you all can't stand him. And how countercultural is it for me to be friends with all these people, understand their plight because I can't stand it either, and invite this person to lunch with us anyway, or, or go to lunch with them by myself. Mm -hmm. and, and all of these, the rest of these coworkers are going to go, you're What? You're being nice to that guy? Okay. Whatever. That's the that's the people in this story. Yeah. They can't they, they can't believe Jesus is gonna eat with this guy. Yeah. You're gonna eat with that guy? And I think that's the type of thing that there, you know, whether it's a neighborhood or a school or a, a office space or just a group of friends, acquaintances. Yeah. There's always somebody that whether they're uh they're just annoying and you can't stand them or they're rude or whatever, or or you know. <clears throat> you know somebody that's married and they get divorced and you choose to be friends with both of them, mm. it may make one of them really mad. Yeah. Or the, or your friends or family really mad, but you're, you are going to genuinely show kindness to both no matter the situation. Yeah. I'm glad that you brought that up too because I was thinking uh, one of the, the most ultimate betrayal is when it's not just a group of friends being betrayed by one individual. I mean, it's mm -hmm. uh, yeah. that person you've pledged your life and love to. Yep. And- uh, yeah, that would be very, very difficult. At the same time, we have examples throughout this stories, these encounters of Jesus that shows that there's redemption even for them, right? Yeah. So Jesus handpicked some of these stories and I, I'm, they made a lasting impression on the, our biblical authors sure. to write about these uh, historic accounts so that we could reference them and say, even them, even me. That's why Peter included himself in looking pretty bad. And some of the, when he was probably sharing it with, you know, Matthew recalls, yeah, go ahead and put it in there, Matthew. Mm -hmm. Oh, go ahead and put it in there. Yes, Luke is, you know, bringing up everything. Yes, we know you're analytical, Luke. We'll get it all down there in black and white. This is exactly what happened. I screwed up. Yeah. Yeah, that's but good. Because I need to know, I, I need to let everybody know, everybody is a screw up <laughs> and everybody is welcome at Jesus's table. Well, thank you for being here. This is great. This is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast, and we'll be back next week. Oh, and, and by the way, we're at, it's at, at 30. No! Nah, we're this close 55. without you doing right, it. Sorry. But you didn't interrupt me. That was nice. <laughs> <laughs>